Wait, so do all the otter pops have names? Yeah, I uh let's see if you guys I looked them up. Just see you? if you guys can okay. remember. Uh like ju- just you telling me just now that Alexander the Grape is the grape one is the only one that I know, and that's amazing. I was never aware of names on Otter Pops. Yeah, all all of them were available in six zippy flavors. <laughs> I'm glad. Wait, I, how's a flavor zippy? Oh, it's know. zippy. It's fucking zippy, man. <laughs> I I don't know if I ever got like real Otter Pops or just generic ones though. Yeah, fair enough. All right, there was the lime one. Was his name Ricky? Sir Isaac Lime. Uh, what? Uh, I would have liked There's it much better one. if his name was Ricky. The orange one. Okay, let's try and guess. Rachel, what do you think the orange one's name is? I have no idea. Mr. Orange. <laughs> <laughs> Alexander the Grape. Lime. Put some effort there, Rach. <laughs> what did you say the lime was? Mr. Orange. <laughs> Sir <laughs> Isaac Lime. Alexander the Grape, Sir Isaac Lime, and Mr. Orange. <laughs> Hey, I tried. I think she's right, onto him. It, Rich, has, Rich has got the pattern down. <laughs> Little Orphan Orange. What? Really? That's <laughs> yep. that's sad. That doesn't yep. even work. It doesn't, it doesn't like rhyme with Annie. Annie. Yeah, 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 I know. It doesn't rhyme with Annie at all. It's not... Okay. Strawberry. Uh, Fuck. You'll never get it. <laughs> strawberry Delilah. You're not going to ever get any of these. Okay, go ahead. Tell me. What's, it? What's Strawberry? Strawberry Short Kook. Oh what? Oh, that's not a I, name. I I definitely thought you were gonna say something else. <laughs> <laughs> nope, but you could pronounce it like that if you are hooked on phonics. Yes, please. <laughs> that's actually uh, my porn star name. I like it. <laughs> All right, and coming uh, to the stage, it's Strawberry Short Cooch. Anyway, go on. All right. Whoa, that's not what I was thinking. <laughs> I, I I thought it could go either way. Oh, strawberry shortcock. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. It yeah. No, that's my name. Either way, whatever <laughs> you're more comfortable with. Uh, I'm just gonna tell you the rest of the names. Lou yeah. Blue Raspberry. Dumb. But it's B L O O. Lou Blue. That's dumb. Lou Blue. Or Louis Bluey Raspberry. What? Wait. Or well, L- that's lame. Louis Blue Raspberry. That's definitely Louie. Louie Blue Raspberry. They, they, they use the same name twice. That's unoriginal as shit. What? No, I just told you that that's, I'm still on Blue Raspberry. Oh, okay. I was like, I, was like, oh, I thought you were... <laughs> I thought you did too. Yeah. No. I was like, okay. wait, I said, it, I said it wrong. Okay. Uh, and uh, Poncho Punch. Poncho Punch, punch. sounds like something that uh, Donald Trump does on his vacation to Mexico. It Ooh. sounds like a kick-ass move. Topical. That's what it sounds like. Speaking of other <laughs> things Donald Trump does when he's done in Mexico. No. What else does Twitter? <laughs> no. No. I'm not letting you cold open with that. I'm not letting you do that to us. <laughs> we will stand for a lot of things, but we will not stand for that. But you know what else we won't stand for? Uh, the Savage Land. Welcome back to the Savage Land. I'm Jason. Whoa, bud. Get off the welcome coaster. (laughs) I'm Matthew. And I'm Rachel. Jason's on the welcome coaster. (laughs) Are you you committing? It doesn't work. It doesn't, like, riding the Noller coaster works. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, welcome, welcome coaster, coaster doesn't, doesn't work. work. I rode a lot of Noller coasters uh, a couple days ago, actually. Um, no. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> Are you sticking with Matthew? Is that is that like is that what you're going to go with for the intro? Whenever you introduce Sometimes. yourself, yeah. I guess you'll change it up. Yeah, it's whatever I feel like. God, today <laughs> feels like Matthew. <laughs> Uh, today's episode is brought to you by Comic Bento. You can go to comicbento.com uh, and use the promo code SAVAGE, or you can use the link in our show notes, um, and that will get you $5 off your first box. Uh, I got my first one this last week, as you might have seen if you follow us on Instagram. Yeah, you great. did voices, one star. I did what? You did voices, one star. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was awesome. I got I got four comics uh one of them was uh avengers four by mark wade i got uh there was also kirby genesis and uh and chris roberson sovereign uh great little comic comic little box 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 time uh there's always a, a theme with every box this month's theme was uh old school and i'm checking right now because i'm very prepared and professional to see if they have a theme announced yet yep bento gets wet is this month's theme guys Oh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> tentacle porn. For this month's theme, uh, grab your towels, trunks, and tanning lotion because Bento is getting wet. We're bringing you five awesome stories from above, below, and inside the true final frontier, the sea. Superheroes, pirates, magic, and mercenaries are all to be found in this deep diving collection. But hurry. The deadline for Bento Gets Wet is August 31st at 11.59, and then supplies dry up. So make sure you go to comicbento.com and use the promo code SAVAGE to get, uh, to get, to get wet. <laughs> Did you get wet there, Jason, reading that? I got real wet reading that. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's really exciting. I'm actually I'm crazy excited to, to be a member of Comic Bento now, and, and getting all our, our free comics every month is pretty great. So if you want to help support the show, please do that. Uh, we would appreciate it. Yeah, we'd greatly appreciate it. <laughs> just uh, don't, don't stop when I'm talking. Just talk over me. Just don't, just wor- don't worry about my talk. Um, we're talking about uh, politics and comics today, guys. But uh, before we do that, as we do each and every week... We got, we got to, we got to, we got to pour some ketchup on me. Is that a song? Oh. Sugar. Pour some ketchup on me. You, you've got to sing it really slow, though. Pour some. <laughs> They're not going to get that joke until after the episode. <laughs> so. It's called a tease, Jason. It's a tease. <laughs> uh, yes. Stay, stay tuned after the credits. Um, maybe. You gotta, you gotta give some mystery there. Anyway, uh, time for ketchup. Who's? What do you guys got? Rich, go for it, champ. I'm trying to think <laughs> of what I've done that hasn't been Zelda. It's, it's okay t- if it's Zelda. Talk about Zelda. Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's all I've done. <laughs> what's What's got you Every so enraptured? Day. What? What? I said, what's got you so enraptured with Zelda? Oh. It's, talking too fast, man. It's just so fun. There's so many puzzles. I love puzzles. So, is that going to be Rachel's new shirt? <laughs> <laughs> I love puzzles. There's so many puzzles. There's so many I puzzles. Love puzzles. I love puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I'm pretty sure that's all it really is. I'm. It's not like 
a super interesting story. Like it is, but it's not. That's not what's making me play it mm-hmm. every single day. It's find all these shrines, and then sometimes finding the shrine is a puzzle. And then if the shrine is obviously there, then it's a puzzle inside of the shrine. And it's the only way you can level up. So you have to do all these shrines. Ooh. So like puzzles inside puzzles inside puzzles? Yeah, that's basically all it is. Puzzleception. Yeah, there we go. We were on the same track. Yeah, yeah that, that's what it is. <laughs> how I mean overall how are you in, how are you enjoying playing the Switch? Do you think it's going to be like a revolutionary game-changing thing or is it kind of like the Wii where it's just like oh this is kind of cool but nothing's really going to happen? I think it is way beyond the Wii U that they tried to make portable but it didn't quite work. This you don't need any sort of internet connection to play unless you want to play with other people which I don't. Can you play with other people in the same <laughs> room without the internet by like Bluetooth or something? Um, yeah. But even if I have the game and you don't, we can still link up and you can still play the game with me. Oh, that's incredible. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's like, that's a feature that I've wanted in video games for, I mean, shit, since video games existed, like th- that multiplayer games existed at least. Um, I mean, like, think think about the amount of times where you've had a friend who has a game, and they're like, "Oh, we got to play this," but then you're like, "I don't want to spend sixty bucks just to like play this game with this friend this one time." You Twice know? in my life, I think you can still play their game even if you're not playing together. What like you can kind of borrow it in a sense? That's, I'm pretty sure that's madness. Nintendo's trying to run themselves out of business. I yeah. But everybody has to buy a Switch, and I bet the markup on those things is pretty high. I don't know. It's I mean, yeah, it's, they they are selling out pretty quickly. Yeah, actually. But the so the, you, the pricing on them isn't bad though, right? Isn't it like only three hundred bucks or something? Yeah, it's not bad at all. Yeah. And for me, it's completely worth it because I prefer portable games. Like I love my 3ds. Mm-hmm. So having something that has a bigger screen and better graphics that I can just play wherever. I don't yeah. need an internet connection or anything is phenomenal. So So I'm 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 at the point like whatever game is released, put it on my Switch and I'll buy it. <laughs> like they're even going to put Skyrim out for the Switch. Oh wow. I I've never wanted to play Skyrim, but I will buy it for the Switch <laughs> and I will play it. Have you never played Skyrim? No. Well, I tried. I didn't quite get into it. Mm. But if it's portable it can go with me yeah I'll, I'll play it oh shit the switch has rocket league that is like that is a game tailor made for the switch rocket league is so fun to play with people that that was my selling point for cap <laughs> was hey they're gonna put rocket league on it and then i a few weeks later he bought it rocket league is the best <laughs> like it's it's such a just a fun game um and it's an okay game i've played it he's obsessed with it yeah, but I think, it I think it's a fun game. I think Rocket League is a game for non-gamers. I think it's probably the best way to put it. Like I think I think are someone there, like you, uh, Rachel, like you're like you're a gamer. You really enjoy like strategy games, puzzle games, and stuff like that that you can sort of immerse yourself in. And I think yeah. Rocket League is a game for people who are like, I just want to like kind of have a fun time and like have some fun with friends or whatever. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to do that, and I don't <laughs> like 
playing with other people. Like I just so. don't like people in general. I don't want them getting involved in my life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, that that makes me sound really mean, but <laughs> but I'm not saying it's not true. But uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's pretty true. I'm pretty picky about the people I allow into my life. That's why Rachel like needs a, needs a break from the show every once in a while. She's like, oh god. Again? No, fuck these guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is there is there any type of connectivity between your 3DS and the Switch? Like, do they have any sort of communication that way? No, unfortunately. And I'm pretty bummed because the new Metroid is on the 3DS. It's not on the Switch. That's weird. So I'm a little upset about that. But what I did find out is that your Switch comes with a built-in emulator inside of it. Nintendo oh. just hasn't done anything with it yet. Oh, but you so know these, they gonna. Like, they haven't, like, fully opened up their store yet either. Like, they're just kind of slowly releasing stuff huh. as they go. So, like, as they're releasing, you know, their NES Classic and their NS... <laughs> their SNES Classic for 80 bucks each that Oof. I was just, like, freaking out for... There's an emulator in my Switch. Hmm. So, oh, but then you have to buy the games independently. <coughs> Although I can't imagine. Yeah, they would but they're sell. like three bucks. Yeah. I'd buy oh a game man. For three bucks. Yeah. For the, for their older games, I'd go store. I'd go broke on three dollar NES games, like for real. Yeah. So I th- I'm just kind of waiting for them to open up the emulator and everything that it can do that they haven't let it do yet. Yeah. See, I think f- I, I was just going to say, I think Nintendo's hit this sweet spot where they've been around obviously longer than the PlayStation, longer than the Xbox, and their games from like the Nintendo and the Super Nintendo are old enough that they are like classic retro, like really fun to like look back on and play like an arcade game. Uh, and so they have sort of that lasting value where I don't think, like, original Xbox or original PlayStation games are to that point where people go, oh, like, I want to buy that for a few bucks and play it. Uh, But I think that Nintendo now, they're able to, like, re... You know, they're able to dip again on their original games that that are obviously, like, already well done with being developed or, you know, have any money put into them at all. And so they're just getting profits from these really old properties uh in addition to their new stuff i think it's i don't know it's cool it's like it's it's this thing that's sort of coming around to uh give nintendo an extra shot in the arm yeah i i absolutely love it i think it was definitely worth it to buy and honestly i haven't even turned on my playstation Mm. wow since i got the switch because i've got mario kart Legend of Zelda, and I just got Splatoon 2. Mm. What's Splatoon? <laughs> it's it's a cutesy little game. You're, you can turn into a little squid, and you shoot ink. Like, you can get weapon upgrades on your guns to shoot ink. But the, what is, it's like a multiplayer game. Is it like a first-person game? No, because you can see your little person. It's third person. So it's basically just you and your team work to cover the most ground with your color ink against the other team. And there's no I in team. And it's actually really fun. 
Hmm. And I don't like multiplayer games. Sure. And I had a lot of fun playing it. Hmm. Now, if you were, like, ga- games aside, uh, do you prefer the Nintendo Switch experience to the traditional console experience? What do you mean? So, like, like in like, terms of just, like, like playing on a... Like playing with those little weird paddle controllers on a little thing versus yeah, like just just the console itself. Do you prefer that type of console or do you prefer the traditional console? Like if you're not considering the games that are available on each console, but just the the experience, the accessibility, you know, whatever. Like, do you which which do you kind of prefer in general? Do you think like what you do with your hands? Um. Well, honestly, once you like slide off the little controllers and put it on an actual controller that they give you Mm -hmm. it's really no different no different Mm -hmm. at all and i like that it already comes with two controllers Mm. you don't have to go spend that's amazing or 80 bucks to go buy another controller yeah the two you know you can separate them or you can put them together yeah i love that and they give you the thing to lock it in to make a real controller so to me, that is already incredible. Yeah, that I don't ha- have to go buy another controller. So, so if you were if you were were Tommy PlayStation, uh, you know, obviously the <laughs> CEO of PlayStation, uh, and you were choosing for the PlayStation Five, what direction to go with the console? Do you think that uh, that this is just a better type of console than the traditional plug into the TV and and stay where you're at console? Like if like if the next PlayStation if you could choose to have the next PlayStation be similar to the Switch, would you? No. No? Why not? I because there, I think that PlayStation will always have higher graphics than Nintendo. Mm. That's just they're never going to be compared. So you like having that super like uh high-end experience on the PlayStation, I guess? Yeah, because for games like Tomb Raider, I want to play that on a bigger TV with amazing graphics. That's one that I wouldn't really want to make portable mm-hmm. and take with me, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I totally get you. Because, yeah, it's... Uh, okay. Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. It's kind of like the movie theater experience where there are just certain movies that you have to see in a theater or like Dunkirk have to see in IMAX uh, because it's just that's what the experience warrants. Yeah, and I think that's what PlayStation does well is these amazing, beautiful games that you do just want to sit at home and play on a huge TV mm. rather than games like Mario and Zelda where even if the graphics are scaled down a bit, it's still fun and pretty to look at and you can take it with you. Mm. Like I don't really think you can compare them. If you'll, if you'll notice, if any listeners had a keen ear, they'll notice that somewhere in that, Rachel just made a humble brag that she has a huge TV. <laughs> Matt's TV is bigger than mine. Oh yeah, Matt got a new TV yeah, recently. I'll just, I'll just gloat about it though. <laughs> <laughs> it's because I got it for free. Whatever, it's no big. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> free TVs are the best kind of TVs. Um, just yeah. ask my neighbor's dumpster. <laughs> free sixty-inch TV, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, that's way bigger that's cool. than my TV. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to. Portable console, just in general. Mm-hmm. I don't want. So, I don't. I don't. Per, and that's just me personally. But I just. There's, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to bring anything around with me ever. Yeah. That so makes I sense. I take mine everywhere, and I always took my 3ds with me everywhere. And so. I, yeah, and I. I mean, I had a. I had an original Game Boy, and that was the last portable f- device I ever had. 
I, I just don't like my. You know, there's just like a handful of dumb games on my phone I can play every once in a while, but I just don't. If I'm gonna play a game, I want to like buckle down it in a dark basement and play games for seven hours. I I'm not 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 like I'm at the, like if I'm at the DMV waiting or whatever, I'll just listen to music. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I I'm both. I will sit <laughs> in the dark and play games all day and mm-hmm. forget to eat. But then I'll also take it with me. Sure. And play it when I have free time at work. Yeah, sure. No, I get it. I just uh, just doesn't appeal to me. Yeah. I, I'm somewhere like, I, I don't know. Obviously, as we've talked about before, I'm not a huge gamer. Uh, and so I, I would not want, like, I never want to just, like, sit in a room for seven hours and play a game. Uh, but at the same time, I also, like, kind of like you, Matt, I, I don't really have much interest in portable gaming. I get well. No, it's not that I don't have interest because I always loved the Game Boy, uh, and like I had the original PSP and stuff like that. That stuff was always fun. Um, I think it's just I, it's it's like we've talked about. I just never can quite justify the spend on gaming uh, for my own personal like priorities because mm-hmm. comic books take up so much of that disposable income yeah. or like random shit like that. Um, but yeah, I, I totally get you. That's that's cool. I, I really like the idea of the Switch because that might be the thing that sort of brings me around more to gaming than I have been in recent years. Yeah, it it's definitely especially fun. when they release Mr. Miracle the game. Ugh. <laughs> God, we'll 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 fucking talk about Mr. Miracle in in a bit. But uh, was that all your catch up, Rachel? Um, I did attempt to watch Dirk Gently. On Hulu. Dig it, not dig it. And I didn't even make it an episode. Oof. Is it not good? I haven't watched it yet. It's bad. I, I don't know. Maybe I need to give it another chance. It was just really all over the place, but still boring, mm. even though it was all over the place. Sure. I've heard a lot of people really like that show. Um, I might say finish the first episode only because typically with Max Landis, the, the thing about his writing is that it takes all the way through the end of either the first, uh, like if, if it's episodic, the first issue or episode, or until the end of the first act before the hook is kind of there. You know what I mean? He takes a while with his hooks. Um, so I, I might try and finish that first episode if I were you just to see. But I don't know. I haven't watched that show, so I can't necessarily speak to it. Uh, I, maybe <laughs> if I feel like it. If any listeners have listened to, or have watched Dirk Gently, uh, please feel free to email in and, and let us know if you're enjoying it or why or whatever the fuck. I think that's the thing yeah. with TV these days, though. You need to, you need to. Uh, there's the 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 competition's fierce, and if you're not if you're not you know slow burns are are, are maybe not the best idea right now. Yeah. If yeah. if Mad Men were made today, I don't think it would get picked up for a second season, which is unfortunate because Mad Men is a goddamn masterpiece of a show. Um, sure, even I mean even a but show it like it is Breaking a slow Man, burn. It is a very slow burn. Uh, and and I I personally couldn't get into Mad Men because of that. I couldn't either. I need to be hooked by the first episode, or it's just not going to work out. I'm just once in a blue moon, I'll give it two or three. Like. Uh, and that's rare where I'm like, where, you know, it's something that someone is like, you have to watch this. You'll absolutely for reals like it. But that's pretty rare. It's usually, yeah, I'm the same way. Half an episode. If I'm yeah. not like, this is fun, I'm, yeah. I'm out. <laughs> I, dude, I'm just, I'm such a big sucker for like dialogue and characters that I, like with Mad Men, that's the thing. The dialogue is superb. 
the characters are all very very well fleshed out and then obviously just the the pure like visual the aesthetics and the the sort of sets and everything in that show are enough to always keep me in Mad Men like I I, I don't know I love that world for sure but I get you though I bet you, I bet you do <laughs> <laughs> uh well Matt uh, what's what what you got going on you can go you go you okay. go uh so this week I I decided to make a little bit of an effort this week to be more pretentious. Oh god. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh I not really I'm just kidding. Here's my here's my pretentious as fuck list. Yeah, <laughs> here's my very pretentious <laughs> list of things I did. Um no, I I started uh kind of taking the dive on Warren Ellis because obviously he's a very very well-regarded writer who's who's done a lot of great things. Um and I just, I haven't read that much of his work. And so I really wanted to kind of go back and see, uh, you know, because people like Matt Fraction and Kelly Sue DeConnick and, you know, Jonathan Hickman, I mean, the list goes on and on and on, were all very much inspired by Warren Ellis. Uh, and he, especially through his old, like, forums and stuff, he brought in, like, an entire generation of creators uh, that we're all loving and enjoying today, right? Um, and so I kind of just wanted to take a step back and like sort of like really read some of his uh tentpole works to i guess better understand like what what the big deal was with warren ellis um and so one of them i read uh was the authority which he wrote 12 issues of uh the first 12 issues it was a follow-up to his series Stormwatch. um and i i've had the trade paperback for i don't know two years just sitting on my shelf and i haven't read it uh so i finally read it and it was so it's written by Warren Ellis with art by Brian Hitch, which I'm sure you guys are familiar with, right? Yep. The Sure. The, so Brian Hitch did like the Ultimates uh and stuff like that. This comic is Oh, yeah. okay. Uh this comic is kind of credited as like the 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 uh the start of the widescreen comics era, you know, where comics started mm-hmm. to really uh emulate movies and and sort of aspire to to be that and uh, this it was like under the Wildstorm imprint, which was Jim Lee's sort of uh, image comics group, and they were the pioneers of digital coloring in comics. You know, like the sort of modern age of coloring. Mm-hmm. And so the big thing that stood out to me reading this comic is that it was written and published in 1999, but it looks almost like it could have been printed today. Like it's incredible that the visuals of a comic from the freaking 90s still look modern. You know what I mean? Um, hmm. That's interesting because usually you can tell when it's older; it kind of dates itself. Yeah, I mean, even dating like up until like 2005, there were still a lot of comics that were using like the old coloring methods, the old you know, like the old methods for everything, really, the old printing methods. Uh, and so, just looking at how much this comic wasn't really that dated uh, was incredible. And that, a lot of that is because of Wildstorm. I mean, that's if if nothing else, the I think the biggest contribution that Jim Lee made to comics was starting Wildstorm and having this company that pushed to do more with the medium and to evolve the technologies being used that had been stagnant for 50 years, you know? Um, yeah. And so that was cool reading that. And, and it reminded me also uh, that I did, that I do really enjoy Brian Hitch's art. Cause in recent years, I just haven't, I don't know if you guys have read anything from him recently. I don't think so. No, he's had like first he's been he's been doing the writer artist thing, which some people can pull off, and I just haven't really enjoyed his writing. Uh, 
but his art is also lately just not quite grabbing me. But going back and reading this, it was it was really really fun just to see like wow like he back in the day when he could meet a deadline and when he could kind of do interesting stuff and wasn't stuck in a certain time period, he was like doing really, really cool stuff. And there's a reason why this, especially this comic was so influential. Um, Overall, the story I don't think was anything special. Uh, Again, it was very, very influential. However, you know, it's basically three, uh, you know, three story arcs that just revolve around this team called the authority that is an amalgamation of a lot of different superhero archetypes sort of smashed together. So you've got like, you know, a hero that's kind of like John Constantine, Dr. Strange-esque. You've got sort of your like Batman and Superman type analogs um, and some people like that. But the whole exploration of the series is Warren Ellis kind of bringing in these characters who have all of the powers of your Justice League or Avengers uh, but carry with them the weight of those powers in the terms of having to say, look, you know, if there's a supervillain, if there is like a, a giant threat to the world, we are the only people who have the ability and therefore the responsibility to completely eliminate that threat, not put it in jail, not send it off into space somewhere to, to crush it and to make sure that it doesn't present a threat anymore. Um, and so it was interesting in that way, but I don't think that it's like, especially these days, uh, I think it was definitely a product of the time and it was very relevant when it came out, but I don't think it necessarily has the legs uh, that some of Warren Ellis's other stuff has had. Hmm. So there's a long monologue. Sounds- I, I try not to monologue on these things <laughs> and then I end up monologuing. Such a monologuer. Jeez. I know. It's really I bad. I could have murdered you like four times during that monologue. <laughs> <laughs> uh... And then I did read another. Actually, okay, really quick, guys. I know we're doing a show. I know we've like got stuff to talk about and everything. But can I just can I can we can we do like a little PSA really quick? Can we talk about something? No PSAs are are to be held to the end of the episode. Uh, it's really burning inside me. All right, fine. Fucking get it out. What? Obviously, we can't go. I, obviously, at this yeah. point, we can't move forward until Jason yeah. PSAs about yeah. whatever the just, f- just, fuck you no, need to PSAs about. No, we're all going to talk. I just, I really, I'm sorry. It, it won't take long, and we can all talk about it. I think this is something that really affects all of us. Uh, what the fuck is with people Snapchatting live events? Jesus Christ. What? Like, when you go to a concert, it. when you go to a fucking concert or, like, any type of show, why are all these people, like, recording with their phones the music that's right in front of them or the people performing, like, ten seconds at a time? Who the fuck wants to watch that? I don't know. Kids these days. Have you guys run into, like... When you see, like, a Snapchat story or, like, an Instagram video or whatever, and it's just someone recording a fucking concert on their phone, like, it doesn't sound good. It doesn't look good. Did, do you know how many people I have on my Snapchat that I never use? Three. Okay, well then Instagram or Facebook <laughs> or whatever. Like, you know what I'm talking about, though. Like these videos where people are just at a fucking concert or at like some sort of live performance and all they're doing is just holding their phone up and recording it. Like what? You're not going to watch that. You're not going to go back and watch that. They, they might watch it. Yeah, you don't it. know. Maybe it's their favorite song Ugh. or... But their it, favorite part of their favorite song that's the that problem, means something though. to them, well, and they want to remember it. Even you know what's funny is we w- we went and saw Run the Jewels a couple months back, and the sound was so awful. But Jenica happened to record a couple clips. Yeah, and the sound was better on the phone than it was in the room. <laughs> that's really weird yeah. because that's never the case. It's it happens. I I know that it usually <sighs> does sound bad, but it I mean awful. 
these people are excited and maybe it means something to them. I just I just hate it because also they're not like when they're sitting there recording it, they're not actually watching the event. They're watching it on a tiny screen in their hands. Like uh, yeah, I I I I get it. I get your side and I get their side. I I didn't record anything, but I took a lot of pictures. Pictures are fine. I was at the cure because I was just like my mind was completely blown and I was crying like a weird little girl. So <laughs> I was just I uh, <laughs> so That makes I sense. Mean, so I mean I get it. <laughs> just crying like a weird little girl. <laughs> Cuz I'm at the cure. Yeah. And when he started singing um Burn from the Crow, I like fucking lost my shit and was just in tears. <laughs> uh I just I, I went to so I went to Disneyland for the first time this week and that was really fun. There was a lot of cool stuff, and I I watched the. Have you guys seen the World of Color before? Yes. Uh huh. I actually had um the Mad Hatter heckle me at the World of Color. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> it's a mind blowing show. You know all the waterworks and the the crazy just like everything they're doing. It's incredible. Uh, in front of me the entire fucking time is this girl on Snapchat recording it 10 seconds at a time. Like, she's recording the thing, and then 10 seconds later has to, like, you know, get, like, pull her phone down to, like, choose where she wants to send it to, and then send it again, and then put the phone back up and record another 10 seconds. And this is a 30-minute show. Okay, that that's annoying. <laughs> I, I can see if it's just, like, once or twice. Yeah, no. But if it if it's something like that, then, yeah, that's annoying. Seriously, if, if it was, like, just at the beginning or, like, intermittently, like, you know, a couple of times throughout, that's fine. But the entire yeah. show she was doing this, she actually had to, she filled up her memory. She had to go in and delete a bunch of videos from her phone because she'd been saving all of them and she ran out of memory to keep recording. Like, at that point, like, you didn't see the show at all. You didn't see it. You got the same experience yeah. that those people on your Snapchat friends list are seeing. Like, you, you had the same experience they did. It, it, oh. And she was right in front of me, and I just, like, I was, I, 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 I wanted to kill her. I was getting really pissed. The, I, I, di- I do feel you because I actually did go do something. I went and saw the John Williams and the Utah Symphony concert, Ooh. which was super awesome. But there were people there that were doing that as well. Yeah. The, so, so yeah. Uh, so, yeah. PSA, PSA, if you're going to do it, just do it like once or twice. Don't fucking record the whole goddamn thing. Like, your arms are going to be tired. You're not actually going to really see the show. Like, just, just experience some shit for once. Fucking A. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Just... Enjoy you tell him, Pa, and, and look at it with your own eyes. <laughs> and look, I get it. I'm a young, hip millennial, just like all of you. I'm just kidding, but no, sir, just fuck it, <laughs> fuck it all. But you are, you definitely are. Um, no, yes, I am a millennial. I don't know if I'm, I'm hip. Um, probably because I'm using the word hip. But <laughs> anyway, the other part of my catch up. Uh, let's see. This episode will probably be coming out. Maybe Monday. I don't know when it comes out. Either way, uh, Mr. Miracle, I read issue number one, Tom King and Mitch Garrods. And? Uh, yeah, I'm waiting. Is, is he going to like, is he going to like, is that like pause for like mo- uh, effect? <laughs> this is like, this is yeah. Mr. Miracle. And then he just waits for the crowd to go, Woo! No, I wasn't. I wasn't yeah! or, or waiting for us to, to. I wasn't waiting for any. Oh my God, how was it? <laughs> I wasn't waiting, waiting for, for any us. of that. I was just, I was mostly just pausing for effect. I think he's waiting for us to be like, oh boy, buckle up. <laughs> yeah, I, want, uh, I wanted to uh, allow you guys the the time and ability to just uh, be as, as, you know, 
as as uh, as 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 Eeyore as possible. Just kidding. Well, it's notice we didn't. I know you didn't. Yeah, no, I we're know. we're waiting. We the the, 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 the pause was just it. for fun, just to pause. Um, well, I I, I was <laughs> I I was I was expecting a monologue, so I was like, eh, not yeah. in a bad way, just like. You, you're excited about it. You're you're just a little excited kid about your Tom King Mr. <laughs> Miracle. Don't you want to just start like, talking about there, bud? Yeah, I don't know if huh? he's going to be excited or sad, though. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, it's It could go any way, couldn't it? Well, that's been Mr. Miracle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Enough. <laughs> 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 All right. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it. And, and we, you know, whatever. Um. Yes, I love Tom King. As we've all talked about, uh, the vision was incredible. I think we all read all the way through, didn't we? Yes. Affirmative. Yeah, the vision was incredible. It was amazing. Uh, and Tom King is probably one of the best writers in comics, as we talked about on the Eisner show. Um, yes. This, the Mr. Miracle series is kind of like a thematic follow-up to the vision, uh, mostly, but with elements of Sheriff of Babylon and, and Omega Men put in there. And issue one was fucking incredible. Like, it's it's definitely the best opening issue that Tom King has ever written. And he's written some damn good ones. The opening issue of the vision was, was horrifying and amazing. Uh, this issue will blow you away. I like, I mean, even, even taking out Tom King's writing, which is amazing in this book and is, is, you know, he's hidden a hundred percent. That's not a term. Um, (laughs) he's batting a thousand is the term I was trying to say. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Mitch Garrod's art in this book, and I, I know I've raved about him recently, but like even just the preview pages that they've released don't do justice to how incredible his art is in this book. Um, it is insanely relevant to sort of the uh, you know political climate that the world is existing in right now, but it's not heavy-handed in that way. It's not really like... You know, because we're going to get a lot of, you know, really shitty uh, punk rock songs and comic books about Trump um, in the next little while because everyone's, you know, rightfully pissed off about him. Uh, But this book is not ham-fisted in that way. It's more talking about the general world that we exist in rather than the specific issue of, of, you know, our presidency. Um, And it's obviously in Tom King's very metaphorical way talking about all that stuff, but good god is it amazing and just just the the use of jack kirby's incredible ideas uh in adapting them to today and all that i mean it's it's just it's a perfect homage and so fucking relevant to the world that we exist in um i'm so glad that it's a 12 issue series i i think that any less would be uh a criminally low amount in order to explore this story so i i couldn't recommend it enough it comes out uh, this wednesday or if this comes out, if this episode comes out Thursday, then it came out yesterday. Um, that that was actually going to be my question: was how many arcs is he going to do? Is he going to stick to his usual yep. two volume? That's exactly what he's doing. He's sticking exact like okay. the same way that he did with Sheriff of Babylon, with Vision, and with Omega Men. Twelve issues and done. Uh, and I perfect. Yeah, I, I know, right? Like, <laughs> I couldn't be happier about that. He does that so well when he's got a contained story. He just like. It's so hard sometimes to nail the ending of a really incredible story, but he's done it three times now. <laughs> you know, like yeah, I trust the dude. And and again, this opening is incredible. I think if you if you even read like uh, the first three pages of this book, I think you'll be hooked. I, I definitely wanted to check it out just because I have loved everything he's done 
already so yeah and I, i've been i've been really trying not to burn you guys out on this on mr miracle because i know that it... i i'm i'm glad you didn't because <laughs> i still want to read it yes <laughs> the the amount of times that i have like seen something about it on twitter or something and freaked out and almost sent it to you guys and then went oh no i shouldn't do that uh <laughs> literally it's happened at, at least once a week if not more so well, i thank you for that <laughs> But yeah, read that. I, I think it's just... And, and you don't need to know anything about Mr. Miracle or about DC Comics or about Jack Kirby or anything like that to appreciate the book. But if you do know that stuff, then it's, you know, it enriches the experience. Perfect. Hell yeah. And that's my ketchup. And that's the way the cookie crumbles. <laughs> Matt, what you got? Uh, I bought Wolfenstein for 20 bucks on PlayStation 4 and I played that for a couple hours. Nice. That was a pretty fun game. I, I've always liked that game. I can't believe I never played it before. I know people said it was acclaimed and whatever, but <laughs> yeah. I was always like, yeah, but it's Wolfenstein. It sounds stupid. It's <laughs> whatever is fucking fun. It's fucking fun. <laughs> Loving the shit out of that game. What's <laughs> fucking, fucking, fucking killing Nazis. Yep. We in Nazi killing, killing business. Yep. Killing Nazis. I mean, that's really what the game's all about. Yeah. That's You're like some guy who's like... I'm going to kill Nazis. And then he gets knocked out and has to live in a in, insane asylum for 40 years, <laughs> right? Or 20 years or something. Yeah. And then he like wakes up and he's like, ah, I got to kill Nazis again. Oh shit. Nazis took over the world. Time to really fucking kill some Nazis. <laughs> and then you kill a bunch of fucking Nazis the whole time. Yeah. It's fantastic. That's my catch up. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just keep my, mine, my, mine will be, uh, have a lot of brevity this time this week. Well, if if you insist, I was going to ask more questions on it, but that's fine. Do you want to ask it? You, you can ask one Nazi question <laughs> or one Wolfenstein question, one that, whether question. or not it has to do with Nazis. <laughs> is this up to you? Uh, is it? So I mean, is it a just like is the main character just a combination of a werewolf and Frankenstein? This monster. What? Oh, I see what he's doing there because it's called oh. Wolfenstein. Oh. I was no, I'm I'm actually legitimately wondering. That wasn't even really a joke. I was, I'm just wondering, is that what it is? No. What have you? You've never played Wolfenstein? No, man. Jason? Anytime, anytime you talk about a game, I haven't played it. Yeah, but Wolfenstein's like the original first-person shooter. Yeah. Game well, yeah, from but like 1990. I I haven't played. I mean, I haven't played fucking Shadow of the Colossus. I haven't played uh, any of the, like the big hailed games. Like, I, again, I'm just not like that much of a gamer. I know they're incredible, and I would love to watch somebody play it. Uh, no, you're you're a you're a you're a filthy casual. You're like a private black Blackovich or Blauskovich or Bluskovich or something. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. What Wolfenstein's the bad guy. Oh. You're in, in the in the original in the original game. You have to infiltrate Castle Wolfenstein. Yes. God. Okay. I guess that's the fun part about that Wolfenstein game is there's like that secret bed upstairs in the hidden in the like in the in your like hidden base underneath the Berlin and you can play the original Wolfenstein game. Yeah, that's I read cool. about that. That's awesome. It's not fun anymore. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> no, I was like, oh, cool, you can play the original game, and I played it for like thirty seconds, and I was like, oh. I know they did that in the new Doom game as well. Yeah, if you like go to I a certain that, place, yeah. you can. You can play the original Doom yeah. game. Yeah. Eh. Nah. Eh. It's pretty dated. <laughs> I think there's some games that are going to... I think there's... We kind of mentioned it earlier, but I think, definitely think there's some games that are going to 
sort of have fun replayability in other games that are just like eh. probably not much fun anymore just because we're so far beyond that graphics wise. That makes sense. Like Wolfenstein is like squares upon squares upon squares. Yep. Uh, with a gr- with a gray floor and a slightly less gray ceiling and walls. Oh. So there's like really nothing going on there. Yeah. I was going to say uh, squares upon squares upon squares sounds like my social life. Ayo. Ayo. <laughs> I, I, I was going to just quickly bring up on your Warren Ellis rant that he wrote the new Castlevania series on Netflix. He did. How is it? Amazing. I he also wrote Dead Space. What? Oh, no, that was, that was Rick mm-hmm. Remender. Yeah, that was Warren Ellis. What? Wow. I love those games. Yeah. Warren Ellis, man. Man. This guy's fucking done everything. Yeah, he's amazing. Yep. I read his, I read his uh, Trees series. I heard the oh, first I volume was really good. That. It's really good. Yeah, it's super cool. Super. It's pretty high concept, so it's a little hard to get into. But It's super good. What? what? <laughs> do I do that? <laughs> Yeah, I do that. Yeah, you do that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Super good. You have you have you read past the first trade at all? No, just the first trade. I heard there was a bit of a drop off after the first trade, but I don't know. I, I did hear the first mm. trade was incredible though. Oh. So we'll see. You'll have to let us know. Yeah, it's super good. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh is it time for our issue of the week? Yeah, speaking of Nazis, you know, I I would uh I'd peg that Nazi fuck. perfect uh it's time for our new segment the issue of the week uh which is brought to you yeah it was a segue i was segue i know it was a segue i i just i I, i'm i gotta do the the intro really quick since this segment is sponsored by somebody uh is it sorry yeah i didn't know that (laughs) i was not informed of this information before we started the podcast yes you were no, 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 no! You just said there's another sponsor. You had no idea that the second sponsor was a few days. A few days ago, if <laughs> you if you look issue in the, of the week, if you look in the group chat a few days ago, I did say that there was a sponsor for issue of the week. Well, I was playing Wolfenstein, <laughs> <laughs> and I was playing Breath of the Wild. So it's you know I understand. Uh, our sponsor, uh, we fear change. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. It's all good. Uh, our sponsor for the issue of the week is uh, T Blocks. Have you guys have you guys heard of T Blocks at all? I've heard of them, but I don't know what is in their box. I imagine <laughs> it's. I imagine it's. Here's what I don't know what it is. So T T T T Blocks. Yep. T Blocks. Yeah. I th- I think it's. I think it's. I think it's. Uh, they send you. They're like, "Hey, play Tetris," and they send you a box, but it's only the T's. And you're like, "Oh, Aww, <laughs> man, Matt, you hit the nail right on the head. That's exactly <laughs> what they do." <laughs> yes, I did it. Um, so, T Blocks is a unique T-shirt subscription service where you choose between an awesome licensed T-shirt or an artist-designed shirt uh, delivered to your door every month. Uh, it's an affordable price at eight ninety-nine a month. That is not freaking bad. Uh, with, uh, is it, is it just for one shirt? It is. Ju- so it's just for one shirt. Yeah. But I mean, freaking nine bucks for a, like a kick-ass Star Wars shirt or like a really, really cool artist design shirt. I mean, that's less than you pay at Target. Yeah. That yeah. fits right in with my only wear one shirt a month <laughs> <laughs> program. <laughs> so, um, 
for their for their licensed shirts, uh, it includes designs from Disney, Marvel, DC, HBO. Uh, you know, shows like Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad, uh, freaking Naruto, Star Wars, tons more, and you can select uh, what you like. Um, and if you use our promo code, which is uh, Cool TBX, you know, like where that might be cool dot com. You know, like cool, the word cool, and then TBX afterward. That's our freaking promo code. Just don't don't complain about it, okay, guys? Um, then you'll get 10% off that first order. So your $9 t-shirt becomes like just over an $8 t-shirt. Do you get to choose your t-shirts, or would you be like, I like Star Wars, and they're like, cool, we're going to send you Jar Jar shirts for the next <laughs> year. <laughs> um, I believe you get to choose every month. Uh, I When I selected it, I, I did choose Star Wars. Um, but you can, I think you can switch it around. Um, and the shirt that they sent me is like this really, really cool, like Japanese empire strikes back, uh, poster, which is fucking awesome. Yeah. It's really, really cool. I think they're an awesome, uh, service. And again, I mean like I buy t-shirts from target all the time that are worse quality and I love target shirts. They're worse quality than this shirt and they're more expensive. Um, I mean, do they have women's sizes? Hell yeah. They got women's sizes. Sweet. Hell yeah. Uh, so yeah, either either the licensed stuff or the artist design stuff, uh, they're both pretty awesome. So you can go to tblocks.com, that's T-E-E-B-L-O-X.com, uh, and use the promo code COOLTBX. All right, guys, issue of the week. Let's freaking talk about it. Uh, it's called CalExit. It's oh, God. Com- <laughs> <laughs> Wow! So for, bring it in <laughs> for the for the issue of the week. Uh, we're now you know every week we're going to switch off. Each of us picks an issue and we talk about it. Um, and the cool thing is this issue of the week kind of dovetails into our uh, our sort of main topic. Um, but the issue is Cal Exit number one from Black Mask Studios, uh, written by Matteo Pizzolo and with art by Amanke Nahuelpan. I don't know how to say that name. You did it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so what did you guys think of CalExit? Ta- let's talk about just kind of your first impressions or even what you were thinking going into it. Um, I don't know what I was thinking going into it because I had no idea what it was when you told me to read it. Hell yeah. I was thinking, shit, 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 I got to read this. Because <laughs> <laughs> we were going to talk about it last time we recorded and I didn't read it, but then I, I read it. And, uh, I re- <laughs> yeah, Matt's, Matt's been really, really good lately about reading stuff on time. Hey, everything else I've read on time, just this one. <laughs> it is, it is a ginormous first issue. Yeah, it's a fifty-page first issue. You get a lot of comic for your buck, and it's worth it. Got a lot of buck for your comic too. Am I right? Hey, hey, oh, what's up? <laughs> Ew. Joke of the oh, week. Boy. <laughs> no, I didn't know. I I did not know what to expect. I was just, you know, you you suggested it, and then somewhat, re- somewhat. Soon after you suggested it, NPR picked it up and a bunch of other, like, it kind of hit national coverage for a little bit there. Yeah. Uh, just due to it's how topical it is. Um, and so, you know, I had a, I had some degree of like, oh, okay, it's going to be political. It's going to be topical. It's going to be, maybe I can be political too. It's a South Park reference right there, guys. Did you catch that? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, I, I, you know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't expect it to be as good as it is. I thought it was going to be good. It's really good. Yeah. Same here. Uh, I had, I didn't know what to expect and I wasn't sure that it was actually going to be interesting for someone that's not super into politics, 
but it is really good. Yeah, it's super funny, too. It's so funny. Yeah, I was, was not expecting humor. No. Yeah, I <laughs> honestly, I wasn't even expecting the level of like action that this uh, this issue had in it. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was like, it's, it's a pretty action-packed issue. Uh, and it takes, I, I also expected it to be like, this is a comic about California seceding. Uh, and then when you start it, it's like, oh yeah, California seceded a while ago. And I'm like, oh, okay, right. thank God. Like, we don't have to like sit there and, and look at, you know, yeah. watch people make trade negotiations and all that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, and it's not about the leadership, really. It's not about like, oh, the governor of California or whatever. It's, it's very, uh, it kind of, it kind of looks at how does this affect regular people? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, and it's and it's also not I mean it's not like super one-sided. It's not like, ah, oh, fuck the, you know, the administration and and here's our heroes. It's also just kind of like, oh yeah, and here's like I don't know. It it presents uh very flawed three-dimensional sort of like characters and opinions throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Um now do you think so obviously with this being a number 1 issue uh, it makes this sort of question that we'll be asking every week uh, much easier. But do you think that this uh, issue does function very well on its own without any prior or continued reading? No, I don't. Because it has one hell of a cliffhanger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, like, I, other than the cliffhanger, sure, yeah, why not, right? I mean, like, you kind of get a glimpse of what's going on and you know they could say they could really they they could have wrapped up the story like five pages earlier and that that could have been that um but no they they ended up they ended on a hell of a cliffhanger and uh you got to keep reading it you can't you wouldn't i wouldn't want to just read I, if there's no way i could read this one and be like eh okay yeah yeah you're kind of yeah. no need no need to go further <laughs> yeah go going into it you don't really need to know a whole lot i mean it would help if you kind of know what's going on in the world <laughs> but yeah i imagine if somebody picked this up in like 1996 they would have been like huh that's a <laughs> that's a weird dystopian future that we'll never get to like, yeah that'll never happen they think that'll the, never happen they think the president's who <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. no way <laughs> wow uh yeah, and and I will say really quick that uh, issue number two comes out on August thirtieth, so you can look forward to that. Um, nice. God, reading monthly comics is so hard sometimes. I know. <laughs> I have a really hard time with it. Um, do you think the fifty-two or the fifty? What was it? Fifty-one uh, page format was a little much for the single issue, or, or do you think that uh, this story sort of required it? Uh, I don't think so. So here's what's funny. So. Last week when we were like, hey, you, you guys reminded me like, hey, you need to read this. And I was like, oops, I forgot. Um, I started reading it like 10 minutes before we recorded. And I was like, oh, Jesus, this is too dense and wordy and I can't handle it. It's like it's too much. I can't function. Anyway, and then, you know, then that then we never talked about it and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, and then the next time I picked it up, I was like, OK, I'm going to read this. It blew. I blew through it. I was like, oh, yeah. whoa, it's done. That was a 50 page issue and I'm done. So not at all. I it, it it read way faster than a lot of twenty-two page issues. Yeah, yeah, I I'll agree with that. Yeah, it, it was. I, I as soon as I picked up, as soon as I hit the pace of the story, it was it was all over. Yeah, I and uh, I I loved the the characters in this book, and I also like although it's very dialogue heavy. Uh, I don't think that it's 
like it, it doesn't you're right like you don't really have to dwell on any pages for that long like it's not bendis levels where you're spending five minutes reading all the fucking word balloons on a page no it just starts out dialogue heavy but it's just that's just the like sort of like getting 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 to the point exposition of like here's where the world is right now mm-hmm. yeah uh, and then, it, and then, it, not at all. Then it just takes up the st- pace of a standard fast-paced comic. Yeah. With uh, and I love the the main character, the goofy like courier guy. Yeah. Yeah. Jamil. Just a great like he's a great funny like sort of everyman character. Uh, and I really like that it's like it's that guy and not like secret uh, like Agent John from the California <laughs> Brigade of of <laughs> shooters and stuff. <laughs> That'd yeah, be a great it's government just some name. average guy. C the the <laughs> CB that was a great name. the CBSS the C oh the CBOSS yeah. the CBOSS yeah of sh- shooters and stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I think that's I think that's a much more intriguing story, and that uh, revolving around him is this cra- all this other like much bigger political stuff going on with this with this shady government agent, and then this pimp that looks like uh, Steve O'Bannon, Steve Bannon, and then. Yes. Uh, Holy shit! Does he look like Steve Bannon? Oh my god! Definitely intentional. Exactly like it's definitely intentional there. Yeah. Uh, And then this uh, girl with the prosthetic, who's like, obviously, there's something more to her than we know because she's super important, and the whole neighborhood's willing to shoot cops to defend her. And yeah, that's great, man. That that whole lead up, and I'll I'll try not to get too spoilery talking about this issue, but that whole lead up to that big like final you know few pages uh, scene. I loved that lead up so much tension. Uh, you know, you get like you get a true look at how vile and disgusting this Steve Jobs motherfucker looks. Um, oh, yeah, I was gonna say to anybody else that he looked like Steve Jobs. Yes, <laughs> yes. yeah. <laughs> I was like, and, and in looking at the previews, I was like, oh god, like this, like Steve Jobs looking guy. I thought it was gonna be like this is basically Steve Jobs. And then it turned out like he's, as far as the character, he's nothing like Steve Jobs. But fuck, he looks like Steve Jobs. Yeah, it just looks like him. Um, His character's name is Frederick Wolfenstein. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, weird that they named him that. Um, So weird. (laughs) But no, I I, I loved that whole interrogation scene. Um, I I think that it's just like, it's it's nice that this story doesn't bog itself down in the political environment that it does. Like, that, that was my biggest worry going into this, is that it was going to be a comic book that didn't really allow itself to explore characters and scenarios and stories that didn't have to do with the larger picture of things. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And although this stuff does kind of tie into some of the big picture stuff, it's not, it's not a story about like, here's all the big government people launching this, you know, huge resistance and stuff. Like it's a lot of it is just like, here's these families trying to survive and maintain normalcy while still fighting for their freedom. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Just crazy well put together. And I mean, like, we've talked about it before, but like Black Mask uh, is really just making a name for themselves in putting out fearless and just like incredible comics that these all of these creators are very obviously passionate about. Um, And I I don't know. I think they killed it with this book. And and like we talked about before, like all the proceeds from this book are are going to a super pack instead of back into their pocket. Um, Nice. Yeah, I, it's just really cool. I don't know. I, I love what Black Mask is doing. I, I do want to say that I think my favorite scene in this book is the scene on the rooftop with the soldier and our main character mm-hmm. sort of guy. I I don't know why. It just... That's a solid little scene. It's... Yeah. It's, it's a, it really humanizes what's going on because you've got this 
soldier who doesn't like what he's doing. He's asking yeah. for antidepressants. He's having a rough time. Uh, but he's still like showing up and doing his job because that's yeah. what he's supposed to be doing. And I just think that's really interesting juxtaposition it, versus yeah. from him to this to what's the what's the main character's name? Jamil. I, I don't know. What? Jamil. Jamil. I believe that was what it was, wasn't it? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, because yeah. then he says, he says to uh, he's hanging out with all the people in costumes in Hollywood Boulevard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Jamil. Yeah, it's Jamil. Um, yeah, then you've got Jamil, who's just like you know, you're, you're every man, also trying to just like do what he's supposed to be doing too. Yeah, so everybody's just trying to do what they're supposed to do and survive, and it it just kind of set a weird tone for kind of how this world is that everybody's just trying to survive we're not all having a good time but we're just trying to get through it Mm -hmm. yeah yep yeah and i i mean i liked that scene too because it it functioned on a lot of levels a it allowed you know between their back and forth uh you learn a lot about the world itself um yeah even from just that character existing you learn a lot about the world and the structure um and it's got like it's got such great like kind of like co- comedy and levity, this sort of back and forth. You know, you learn a ton about Jamil's character being sort of sarcastic and like uh, stretching that leeway that he's got. Um, and it's kind of like it's a scene that's got a lot of you know kind of levity to it. It's pretty funny and fun. And then it just like the way that that scene ends, just bringing it right back into like the the harsh reality of this yeah. world. Um, it was I, it was such a well crafted scene. I think you're you're totally yeah. right. Like it's it's a great scene. Yeah, that was just my favorite because so much happens in it. You know, it's happy and it's sad all in this one tiny little scene. Yeah, that I just thought was amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then uh, what'd you guys think of the art? I like the art. I think it's good. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's good art. Like you yeah. know, it's like. It's it's solid. The coloring solid. It looks it looks it looks good. It, it portrays exactly what's intended to portray. I like that a lot of the panels are like from a first person perspective. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, no, just overall, I think it's great. Yeah, it it just all flowed together very well with the story and the art. Yeah, which sometimes doesn't always happen. And usually, if the art's bad, it's distracting. And but this all just flowed so well totally and and great great facial expressions throughout that's super yeah. important yeah, yeah. It, and i i was very impressed with uh the artist's ability i mean there are there are pages in here that have like 12 panels and like you know 30 word balloons um i was very impressed with the artist's ability to work around that because that i mean the like to, to give you kind of a, an example of sort of the typical accepted rule is that usually uh, writers try not to go over like five or six panels in most cases, and the the somewhat accepted rule, unless you're Bendis, is like twelve panels per page, or sorry, twelve word balloons per page. Um, and so there was there was a lot going on on these pages, and this artist's ability uh, to to balance that and still allow the you know the the story to be very clear while still allowing room for those word balloons and allowing them to all flow you know logically and linearly. Um, I mean, that's, that's a big task. And especially as most black mask artists are, uh, an artist that's not crazy experienced in, in, uh, you know, professional comics work. Um, and so I I think they did fantastic. And then Tyler boss who does the colors on this and a lot of other black mask books, 
I like his sort of his color palettes that are rooted in realism, but then still have like they, he always kind of puts in this extra little surreal element to it to sort of emphasize uh, moments. You know, there's the moment in the house uh, when the thing happens, you know, the, the bad guy does a bad thing. Uh, and then his wife, you know, her whole, f- like the whole panel is basically red. She's, you know, almost like just this bright rose, red, orange type color. Uh, you know, it just, it, it lends itself. It, it goes into sort of surrealism, but it's not distracting. It just really emphasizes the story itself. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. I really enjoyed that. Anyway, uh, is there anything else that you guys wanted to say about this issue before we sort of like dovetail it into our, uh, into our main sort of topic to finish off the episode here no not specifically i i just think uh i just think that's good it's real good and uh <laughs> excited to continue reading it i mean it, it they successfully did something that i think they could have really fucked up yeah yeah exactly because this is a whole story about resisting and it's not about defeat yeah and i i like that concept of it yeah absolutely um it's it's well worth exploring and i think if you read this first issue it's it would be hard not to want to continue with the series um and as as the the issue of the week segment you know sort of i think our purpose to do here is to find comics that function very well on their own without necessarily prior reading and although this is a number one issue you know there doesn't always have to be a number one issue to do that you don't always have to start right at the beginning to enter in on a comic um but yeah, I, I think this is one of those comics that's just, it's great to to give it a shot. It's a great read, and, and I think anyone would have fun with it. So, uh, But that's the issue of the week. Again, brought to you by T-Blocks. You can go to tblocks.com, T-E-E-B-L-O-X.com, uh, and use the promo code T, or sorry, use the promo code COOLTBX uh, for 10% off your first order. Now uh, we'll, uh, we'll use these last few minutes to kind of talk about our, our main topic, which is politics and comics. Do do we want to say the next issue or? Oh yes, let's say, say who's yeah, who's yeah, got yeah. the next uh, who's got the next uh, issue. Me, that's why I'm asking. Yeah, yep. let's do it. Go ahead and tell <laughs> them what uh, what the issue is next week, Rach. Uh, my pick for our next issue is it is a number one, but I'm picking it because I feel like we need to give this writer a little more love. Ooh, and it is Curse Words by Charles Soule. Okay, hell yeah, Curse Words number one. Yes. Dope. Because it's bananas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I actually have that on my shelf already, so I'm I'm stoked. Uh, they just barely, I think they're in the middle Sweet. of their van tour right now for curse words. Yeah, they are. <laughs> they're doing a, little, a tour in their van. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, I guess for for summary or for a little quick tease on curse words, it's like a, a wizard come, like gets like sucked through a portal into modern times or whatever, something like that. Yes, and then he starts um, becoming a professional wizard, so people pay him for his services, <laughs> and it just goes all wrong. I love those. Char- Charles Soul is great, obviously. Letter forty four, She Hulk, uh, uh, fucking Red Lanterns, everything. Uh, and then yes. artist Ryan Brown, who wrote and drew God Hates Astronauts, which was a really fun comic. Um, good team. God Hates Astronauts is amazing. Have you guys read it? It's so good. That sounds very interesting, though. It is the greatest thing you've ever read in your life. (laughs) You'll love it. It's so weird. Yeah, it's it's insane. It's like basically like this guy, he's kind of like a superhero type guy, 
and he gets his he gets his head punched so much that his head like but he's invulnerable so his head gets all like disgusting and puffy and gross and everybody like shuns him and then he gets his head then he like falls into a life of despair and drugs and then gets his head blown off for for some or his head pops or something and then they like stick this ghost horse head on him oh my god (laughs) (laughs) sounds amazing it's amazing oh yeah yeah, i'm looking at it is amazing right now god hates astronauts that's a horse head all right yeah (laughs) ryan yeah i i I can't high, I can't I can't recommend that high enough. I I started reading that like a month or two ago, and I was like, why I have why have I not been reading this sometime my entire life? This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Ryan Brown's an incredible artist. I I love him. Uh, he's great. We we got to have him on the show sometime. Um, yeah. Actually, we, we did reach out though, and he and Charles are are pretty booked out for the rest of the year. Um, yeah. Unfortunately. Anyway. Uh yeah, so politics and comics, guys. Freaking obviously, Cal Exit, a pretty political comic. Uh, and and comics have definitely had a long history of of involving politics, as we've kind of touched on before. Um, but I guess I guess to start off, the 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 sort of very broad question that you can take wherever you want that I'll ask is what what role do you think politics should play in comics? Uh, I don't think they should play a role. I think uh. I think they should play a role if the artist so chooses to 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 have that be a, a part of his comic. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, politics. You don't you don't need politics in your comics, but some people have used politics in their comics to very to to with to a high degree of, of effectiveness, right? Like Alan Moore is like Mister put politics in comics, and holy shit, it works super well. Yeah, Brian Wood, Brian yeah. Wood. Uh, uh, What's his name? Brian K. Vaughn with Why the Last Man. Um, so it's, you know, I mean, pol- politics are a part of our life, everybody's daily, day-to-day life, and it's important It's important to have some reflection there, right? And comics are sort of a reflection of our existence to some degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, yeah. So your, your question, should they be there? I don't think they, sh- they should be there, but they, they, they can be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you can write God Hates Astronauts and have it be not political at all and just absolutely... <laughs> bananas and bonkers <laughs> and fun and that's 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 totally cool too and po- there's no real place for politics in that comic yeah i gotcha what what's uh what about you rachel what, what's kind of your thought on it um i i don't seek out political stories just because i get enough of that in my daily life of course so for me i would rather read a comic story that i can escape into a fun world or something that's not happening right now Mm -hmm. that makes sense yeah sometimes it's just it's too close to home to really separate and enjoy it yeah i'm not saying that they shouldn't be there and there shouldn't be comics about it because there are comics that i do enjoy yeah like we just talked about about. yeah (laughs) i i do really like those but i don't want to read those all the time yeah that makes sense um yeah i i think I think in in storytelling in general, uh, it would be a very, very boring world if artists and creators kept politics out of their work all the time, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, You know, obviously, like we talked about, Alan Moore changed the landscape of comics and, and, you know, even to a larger extent media uh, with some of his stuff like V for Vendetta and Watchmen and even Swamp Thing, like very political stories in certain cases or at least socio-political um and i i, I think that 
and I mean, this is this is another uh, sort of question that I'll ask, but I think that specifically in talking about comics, uh, comics as a medium, I think represents a unique and un for in a, by large part uninhibited medium where a creator can really get as extremely opinionated and political as they want to without much oversight or interference uh mm-hmm. which is not something that most of the you know sort of mass scale media uh uh mediums in america really provide you know tv shows and movies can only get political to a certain extent if they're you know uh if they're big productions and and even the most political of tv shows and movies don't get that political especially when it's during current times and so i think that i think that comics present uh a a place for creators to really allow themselves to be just unhindered by by those things and get us as you know really just show their their full opinions i mean we saw it with dmz we've seen it with ex machina and with v for vendetta and now with cal exit like you know comics can get fucking rough they can get really 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 like in the weeds and just hardcore opinionated and i think that's good for both sides i think having people who can be opinionated and at least voice that whether or not people agree is is always good as long as the story functions yes um i'll I'll agree with that but in in terms of so in just talking about comics as a medium is there you know i guess other than that or whatever like is there a certain advantage that you see to uh to the comics medium versus others in in regards to politics outside of i guess just that like like telling a political story in comics versus in in or reading a political story in comics versus watching one in in tv or films i mean do you think there's any specific advantages that comics present no uh maybe because i've seen plenty of like there's still plenty of television and movies and whatnot that are that are political that are just as effective but do you think since comics aren't as mainstream as a television show or movie or book that they could get away with more in a comic probably I will say I yeah. I don't think Cal Exit would be made as a movie before it was a comic. Like if since it's finding success as a comic book, then I think uh you know there will probably be TV and film studios who pursue it to option, but I don't think any studio would ever green light this idea uh on its own. No. No. They wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> that's just me. I and I I think that I mean I think that's that's you know part of like what we're talking about with Black Mask is that they come from very punk rock roots. I mean, you know, one of their founders, Brett Gerwitz, was, you know, like he, he's a punk rock guy. Like that's the background that he comes from is that very opinionated political, like, you know, sort of pour your heart out into your music type thing. And I think that that's the same approach that some people take with comics to, to great effect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's the what's his band called, Jason? His band is called, was it Bad Religion? Yeah. Yeah. I, I see. I, I've actually. Just, I've listened. Just testing. Just testing you. I've listened to a good amount of Bad Religion. Just testing you, Blink One Eighty Two. No, you're good. Hey, hey. <laughs> look. Although I like Blink One Eighty Two, I've listened to a good amount of Bad Religion, of Social Distortion, of freaking Pennywise, like DHC. I've I've I'm listened just, to my. I'm just, gi- I'm just giving you shit. <laughs> just giving you shit there, bud. I was I was on the spot though, and I like I I almost didn't want to say because I was like shit like. 
off the top of my head, I don't know. Because I, I don't know bands as well as I know comics in terms of like who is in the band. You know what I mean? Mm, sure. Like with comics, I'm always like, oh yeah, this is the artist. This is the this is the writer. This is whoever. And then with bands, I'm like, ooh. That's too bad. <laughs> it's too bad we're not doing a... Uh, a, 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 a band podcast I'd probably do a lot yeah. better at that than being on a comic book podcast yeah same here I, I, would, I would know way more names I'm like oh yeah I know who even produced that I know the guy the, <laughs> yeah, like exactly. producer's assistants on that yeah. album yeah it, it's, dude um, as far as producers go like if it's not Rick Rubin I have no fucking clue <laughs> <laughs> that's funny no, I, I, I don't I, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm just looking at a list right now because of like movies that are political. And there's a plenty of them that are hyper political that I don't think I don't think I think you can find I think you could find uh, I think it's easier to put your comic book out than it would be to put a movie out. But I think you could put I think you can always find somebody to put your movie out, even if it's hyper political. I don't think that's a necessarily a. Uh, a, 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 a shut off right there well so you're talking about you know like I, the accessibility to comics is probably easier just due to how it, it i you could self-publish a comic and it probably would see it you, you, there's a higher potential that seeing versus if you're like i made a movie like nobody's gonna spend two hours watching like fred john's movie he made in his backyard that's probably like pretty mediocre yeah right? and that's but, but yeah. like but like you can call up a co- an artist and be like hey man you're pretty good at drawing i i wrote this thing you can slap it together and put it on the internet and someone will probably read it and yeah and i guess that's kind of my point is that uh with comics to make a, a high quality comic doesn't necessarily require a like a huge you know uh a company to be behind it but to make a high quality movie you know i mean in general you kind of have to especially for you know a large-scale story you do kind of have to have a good amount of money behind it um because otherwise you're gonna have yeah. terrible acting terrible lighting and and all that stuff um and and i think that's a big advantage that comics present is that with movies you can't necessarily make a good movie uh with you know not not hollywood low budget but literally low budget um but you can make you know a very good comic with almost no money sure yeah yep i get i i I'll, i agree with that uh, I mean, what are in terms of like in in speaking about about comics and stuff? I mean, are there certain political comics that you've read before that have stood out to you above others, and and I guess why? The biggest one that's kind of you know as I was, as we were kind of talking about this topic, the biggest one that came that came to my mind was um, was uh, X Men specifically. Uh, God loves man kills. Mm. That's the Chris Claremont run that. Uh, was also adapted for the movies to some degree, but it's the one with um, William Stryker and his like like hyper anti mutant hysteria. Yeah, uh, and then just that really diving into that, uh, you know, there's that there's that classic panel of um, Stryker on stage or something screaming "Human, you dare call that thing human!" and pointing at Nightcrawler, uh, and the parallels there with you know with with uh, you know, especially where you know when it came out with the racial tension, and now with the with a lot of the same sex attraction uh, attention going on, and just really like letting it, letting letting the X Men sort of be this underdog type form. Uh, I just always that always really appealed to me, um, and so that's you know that's one of the big ones that I would that I would pull out of a hat to say this is politics and comics that didn't didn't overtake the story to the point where it was just like dripping. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
it was in, it, it was still integral to the to the sort of the point and to build a really believable quality universe you can you can take something from the real world and place it into this fictitious universe and have it work really well yeah no i yeah. i uh I agree there. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh I think that's sort of I like I think that politics are the foundation of what have always made X-Men great and and Claremont I think like you're saying used that to great effect with especially with God Loves Man Kills but with a lot of his stuff um you know, I mean even even from the beginning with, you know, Stan and Jack sort of drawing the parallels between Malcolm X and Martin Luther King and the social right mo- rights movement and sort of paralleling them with Magneto and Xavier uh civil or, yeah, yeah. Sorry, what did I say? Social. Oh, social. Yeah, civil rights. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that that's like that. That is, I think, the foundation of why the X Men resonated with people is that they were sort of rooted in issues that people were seeing in the real world, but they were sort of adapted into a way that wasn't necessarily, at least on the surface. You know, obviously, once you read even a couple of pages, you'll realize how political it is. But on the surface, didn't necessarily seem that political. Uh, you know, you're just reading it like, oh yeah, here's a, a superhero comic, like whatever. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's totally a, a very like quintessentially X Men thing is to to make it political. Um, exactly, exactly, and, and that you know again, you know when when asked why why that one specifically for me, it's just it's something I don't know, I just something something about that I glommed onto. I just really like that sort of overcoming adversity and modern life parallels as well mm. yeah i don't know yeah what about you how about you rach i don't know okay i don't have a good answer like matt does well <laughs> just a, like a pol- i mean you don't really have like a political comic that you've enjoyed hey rachel i'll feed you one watchman <laughs> <laughs> just kidding just kidding that's a joke for everybody out there that, that's who, knows Jason's that we're, pick. who knows how sick we are of watchmen yeah <laughs> I don't know. I'd probably pick V for Vendetta. Yeah. I mean that that is that is one of the most political comics I think ever published. Uh and that's uh, I I, w- I would I would argue the most due to the popularity of the Guy Fox masks that has come out of that. Yes. That is true. Uh uh and the uh and the 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 real pull people have towards this feeling of this of this fascist oligarchy that we're kind of seeing and that, that that people or you know i mean some people may not believe that but and some people do believe that but i think that the people further on the left really are glomming on to mm-hmm. yes to that definitely. movie in specific just for those those reasons yeah or um, not, and comics sorry yeah both I, the, I, the movie's pretty fucking popular yeah. yeah i didn't really enjoy the movie but the, the comic is the first comic like that that i ever read mm. so i think it just has stuck with me for that reason and because yeah it is probably the most political thing ever written in comics yeah yeah i mean it's, it's and and what it and what it's become just because of guy fox and anonymous and all that mm-hmm. yeah no i i agree um the influence of, of v for vendetta and even of alan moore in the world of like political entertainment is is hard to get out of and for good reason uh you know, I mean, he really had an ability to translate the the anxiety and the uh, the stress of the time and location in which he was living. You know, that that Thatcher England, like the, he 
he translated that so well into a story that was still very compelling and didn't bog itself down in those details. Um, that yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's timeless. Um, one that I, one that I read recently and I actually kind of mentioned it to you guys, uh, in the group chat a little bit is Prez. Um, mm-hmm. this was a comic from DC just a couple of years ago, uh, written by Mark Russell, who would then go on to do, uh, Flintstones. Um, this comic, yay Flintstones, yay Flintstones, <laughs> uh, and Ben Caldwell, who actually, funny enough, is like the person who inadvertently taught me how to draw. Um, but uh, th- like th- this comic is just so much like Flintstones. It's so great at just translating like a very uh, just just so such relevant struggles and and relevant sort of thoughts and anxieties. Um, and on the surface, it just seems kind of like a dumb, stupid little bubblegum comic or whatever. It's about, you know, a 15-year-old girl who gets elected president of the United States because of her social media presence. Uh, right. Mind you, this was written before Donald Trump was even running. <laughs> uh, and many things in this comic turned out to be a little bit prophetic. Um, but it's, I mean, it's just like bitter, biting commentary on the sort of state of, of the political climate right now, while somehow at the same time uh, presenting a really optimistic look at the future of the, the next generation. Um, and it, it does that balance so that balance so well, like having this optimistic teenage character sort of cut through the, the stress and the, just like the, the, the negativity of the political world and, and military and all this stuff. Um, with just, I mean, just this this perennially optimistic teenager, uh, it's a great dichotomy. And again, I mean, Mark Russell has truly proven himself to be a master of writing very current and relevant political comics. So, I, I yeah, love that. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you mentioned Flintstones too, because I think that's a really great example of yes taking politics, taking uh, uh, sort of on the other side of the spectrum from something like X Men or yeah, it's, it's socio political or even Cal Exit, where it's like it's it's funny, it's super funny. Uh, and relatable and very still 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 holds on to being topical and poignant yeah uh, and biting in its commentary uh, but not something you put down and you're like oh man what a day totally yeah it, it doesn't try again tomorrow. <laughs> it doesn't depress you <laughs> yeah which is my main issue with politics in generals it's just all depressing yeah totally and that's that's why i think prez i mean and again like it's flintstones as well like it it's that's what it does so well it's just like it doesn't it doesn't depress you uh it's not it's not this heavy thing to read uh but but it's still talking about these issues exactly it's it's such a perfect balance of levity and also like real commentary um I, I like Prez, you know, and I th- I hope that because of Flintstones, Prez gets more attention. Um, but it was, and I've talked about this era before. It was during that year where DC Comics decided that they weren't going to really give any editorial oversight and just let creators do whatever the fuck they wanted. Um, yeah, this was one of the comics that spawned from that, and and I think a comic that is going to live on far past uh, a lot of the comics that are popular right now, just because. It didn't. It just never really. It never really found its audience, but it was one of the best comics that DC has put out in the last decade. Hmm. So, highly hmm. recommend that. And it's only. I mean, it's a limited series. It's like ten issues, maybe. Sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah so I was. I was thinking more about what you asked, though, Jason. You asked uh, regarding like 
can comics get more political than TVs and, and all that kind of stuff? Uh, and and I and I had blanked on one that was a, actually a pretty big deal, like a week or maybe two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, uh, and that was the um, the cover for the divided states of hysteria. Oh yeah, oh, which yes. sparked a huge conversation about artistic freedom, responsibility, censorship, all that kind of stuff, and you know what 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 are your what journalistic boundaries one has to have and how far can one go mm-hmm. um and i haven't read it i have not read divided states of hysteria but i think that you can you could consider that one to be something that would probably never get put on tv or on a movie yes absolutely uh i mean to the point where they even had to pull the comic but yeah well they they pulled they pulled the the comic with that specific cover uh that's what i mean right they had to pull that cover because that's pretty inflammatory yes yeah uh and and i think that's that's kind of like where i draw the line is i think if something like that were in the pages of divided states of hysteria uh then i think that would be you know very strong and obviously very very provocative but if it's in the confines of a story that's really talking about that directly um then i think that that's you know i mean sometimes like you're sort of required to to put something like that in there to to be accurate and to really depict things like that uh sure however i think having it on the cover uh you know and not only on the cover but on the shelf next to batman and and the flash and superman like you know next to comics that kids are going to be coming in and and reading uh there i think there is a certain level of explicity is that a word sure 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 uh (laughs) um that that sometimes you have to stray away from on a cover uh yeah you know and i i think you know it's important to i think it's important to have this medium where somebody like howard chaykin can kind of tell whatever story he wants uh but a a cover and a story are two very different things yeah that's true um and so yeah that's my stance on it but but you're right i mean it is it is it does say a lot that comics is a medium where that where that cover was ever even able to be published and i think despite the cover itself being a bit uh, uh, charged and, and controversial and, and very offensive, uh, I think that it still does say a lot for the amount of leeway that, that people can have in comics to tell the story and to publish the comic that they want to publish. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm going to, I got one last, we're sort of getting to time here. So yeah, I'm gonna, don't worry about it. My, my, my only last little thing is, um, the other thing about politics of comics is I think you can use it as effectively to uh, to, to shed light on something that um, and to provide access to something that you know maybe is a, is a little bit more of a di- more difficult conversation. Mm-hmm. For example, I think the most I ever learned about the Holocaust was through the comic book Mouse. Um, I don't know if you guys you've read Mouse, yeah. M-A-U-S. Yep. It's like where the Mm-mm. where the Nazis are pigs and the Jews are mice and the Polish or cats? It's a great comic. No, it's it's amazing. Oh no, no, sorry. The Polish are pigs and the Nazis are cats. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it it is. It's just a story about a just Jewish family during the Holocaust, told through these like animal character caricatures. Hmm. I, I I have it downstairs. I'll let you borrow it. It's it's. Well, you might not want to read. It. It's super depressing. It's the Holocaust, but <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. But it's. Well. I, I, I would. It, I mean, it, I think it's generally considered one of the greatest comics of all time. It is. Yeah. Um, partly due to the t- nature of the 
the topic and partly due to just how well it's i mean it's just amazing that's an interesting way to go about it mm-hmm. too in a comic form i mean i read it when i was kids are gonna pick up yeah too i mean i read it when i was 12 and i was like whoa and then you know and then people are like no hey by the way kid that happened and you're like what yeah <laughs> yeah i think i think that comic yeah. should totally be something that's taught you know in schools alongside something like animal farm I think it is. I think mouse is definitely now pretty. It's in curriculum now as something to to, to study and read while you're, if while you're learning about the Holocaust. That's awesome. because it's a it's a little it's slightly more palatable, but it really drives everything home. Hmm. So, and I think that's a really a, a, a good example of a comic that uses the medium of comics. Uh, I'm just being redundant at this point, but to 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 reflect something in the real life. The other one I can think of is that well, we talked about it last week, I think, or the uh, March. By uh, Representative John Lewis, that's kind of a comic about the civil rights movement. Um, mm-hmm. Same, same, same kind of thing. There, use use comics as a medium, as an accessible medium to really, because a lot of kids aren't going to read books anymore, mm-hmm. but they'll read a comic book. Yep. Uh, so I think it is. I think it's a. I think you can use it as a tool um, for change, and I think that's good. Yeah. Or for, or just for, or just for information, just for like, here's an easier way to information into a, a broad spectrum of people's heads without like writing a 400 page novel and being like you got to read this whole thing in like a week yeah. and then do a book report on it yeah i'll agree with you on that yeah and i'll i'll kind of i'll 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 give my last little uh recommendation here is that uh there there is like in some cases with political comics it doesn't necessarily even have to be directly uh directly tied you know like like calyx it is directly tied to like you know the trump presidency and what's you know what will happen if california secedes uh they can still be very political and be quite fantastical uh in nature um a comic that i've been reading lately that uh we're gonna have at least one of the creators on probably pretty soon uh is black also from black mask studios have you guys read this at all no no uh so it's from it's from kwanzaa ocfo i I have a hard time with his name uh tim smith three and jamal engel um it's a comic that basically asks the question uh what if black people what if only black people had superpowers um it deals a bit with you know with gun violence and and police brutality and stuff um but really it more kind of explores this fantastical element uh and looking at society through introducing something like that, through introducing, you know, these superpowers and stuff, but looking at how yeah. the world in its current state would respond to something. Uh, and I, I think that's always interesting when, when a comic can be political, but also still be fantasy, still be sort of science fiction and, and introduce those crazy elements. Um, sure. And it's, I mean, it's a fucking, it's a damn good comic. But yeah, that's I, I think that's the other that's one that I would recommend for like current comics that are very political, but still they aren't so uh, you know they aren't so directly tied to everyday events. I mean, you know, obviously police brutality and stuff that's very relevant, but it is still you know superpowers and action and stuff like that that's a little bit separated from the real world. So it's a nice balance there. Yeah, for sure. You got You want to tie one off on us, Rach? <laughs> What? What? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Rich, go ahead and tie one off on us. (laughs) Sorry, I don't know where's. (laughs) Want to give us a good shot of heroin, Rich? Completely threw me off here. Can't control my 
words sometimes, guys. You know this. How could you expect him to control his words? Are you asking me to to just pitch one? I don't know. Do you, I mean, do you have any recommendations or, or anything that you want to say to, to end off? If not, we can just tie it up. Uh, no, not really. All the politics is depressing. <laughs> I got one for you, Rich. Family circus. <laughs> there you go. That's the most political comic ever. Go. Yeah, the most political circus. comic of all. Um, well, want to thank everyone for listening this week. Uh, and we also want to remind you to leave us ratings and reviews, which are the most important thing in the history of everything. Uh, in fact, so important that I think we, we have one uh, from this week, don't we? Oh, we yeah, do. we do. So who's going to get to it first? <laughs> I got it. No, I'll let <laughs> Matt do it. So I, I, I tried to like... It's, it's got his... The title, the subject is his signature line oh yeah give it to me i tried to like delay yes. that a bit so that i could allow you guys time to like pull it up and and stuff i wasn't well, I wasn't but you, sure. dela- you delayed it until the last thing you said was review oh, and that's then fair. you didn't delay any anything after that <laughs> that's so fair. it's kind of hard to catch up there but what, what i said i said leave itunes ratings and reviews that are super important and then delayed it after that so you know i don't know uh uh, oh shit! It, I didn't even catch that. You didn't even catch that. <laughs> that's that's why I said it I earlier. Get it I get it now. <laughs> oh boy. Oh man. Oh, I'm so predictable. <laughs> um, shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's just had a, a very big flop. Oh, out I did not. That's didn't, so funny. Yeah, didn't, that did not click. It. Oh boy. Oh, guys, 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 guys. <laughs> Uh, all right, we got a new review. Uh, this is a five-star review. Thank you by the Dr. Geek. Thank you. Uh, titled, It's Super Good. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Uh, uh, the review goes as follows. Podcast reviews. Hey, you know what else has a podcast review? It's the Savage Land. Hmm. Put the music in right there, Jason. Okay. Um, <laughs> Listening to the Savage Land is like hanging out with friends. Jason, Rachel, and Matt know their stuff, but never get pretentious. Well, Jason does sometimes, but Matt and Rachel are quick to make fun of him for it. Ha ha. It's okay. I'm trying to be more pretentious. Fair fair point. And we're trying to make more fun of him about it. Yep. Uh, They're just three people who love comics and are practically brimming with enthusiasm for a medium that's so easy to dismiss by so many people. Come for the great interviews with comic book professionals and stay for the catch-up hijinks. Yeah. Thank you, the Dr. Geek. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's super good. That's a super good review. <laughs> uh, oh, damn it. <laughs> that, that's like, I'm I actually, thought, I'm I actually, you knew that. So I'm pretty stoked on that because it's you. like somebody else picked, somebody picked up on that. So apparently I, my, my catchphrase is memorable. <laughs> yeah. That, that is your catchphrase. Catchphrase Fuck. now. God um, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh but those those ratings and reviews uh certainly help more than you could ever possibly know. Uh the more ratings and reviews we have, the easier it is for new listeners uh like like yourself. You were probably a new listener at some point. Um unless you were here before us, then that's a paradox. Anyway, uh it, it helps people find the show, which is always the most important thing uh because the more people who find the show and listen to it and review it and love it, uh, the more creators we can get on, the more conventions we can go to, and the more content that we can produce. Um, so it does have a very, very direct effect on on the content that we're able to put out. Um, in addition, the other things that have an effect on that are our sponsorship. That will allow us to get out to some of these conventions that we've you know, had the option to go to before, but it's sometimes just not feasible. 
Um, and so the uh, the other thing that you can do besides leaving us a rating or a review is to support our sponsors like Comic Bento and T Blocks, uh, or you can go to thatmightbecool.com and click through our Amazon banner. Any of those things really, really help us uh, more than you could ever possibly know, but we will try to express all the time. Uh, you can also find us on social media. Where can they find us? Um, the Savage Land Podcast. It's Graham and Facebook, Savage Land Pod on Twitter, Apple at Savage Land Podcast. And wow. you can what? also use our phone number, 416-SAVAGE4. Nope. It's. I swear to God, it's a 4-1-something, you guys. Yeah, it is. Isn't it? 415. Nope. It's no, it's 417? Nope. 418. Nope. 419? 412? 413? You got it! 413 Savage 4. God damn it, the last one. So fucking close. I get confused because my area code in California was 415, and I just like my brain auto auto completes to that every time. Yeah, you can leave us voicemails, 413 Savage 4. If you leave us a voicemail, we'll probably play it on the show unless it's super offensive. Um,. Yeah, and let us know. I don't know your thoughts. What what fucking political comics do you like? Uh, how yep. how you can email you can e- you can email us th- those thoughts at letters at savagelandpodcast dot com. Yeah, or tweet them. Whatever yeah. it is. How how much do you hate it when we do two hour long episodes because we have a topic and then we just like get way too interested in what we're catching up about and then still decide to to stick to the topic instead of saving it for another week. Yeah, what's your favorite Otter Pop flavor? <laughs> <laughs> Mine's mine's lemon. What's lemony snicket? What is it? Mine's Mr. Orange. Mr. Orange. <laughs> Mr. Orange. Uh, yours is lemony snicket. <laughs> I don't know what what was the lemon one. <laughs> mine's fuzzy navel. Mm, fuzzy navel. Uh, well, we we hope you've enjoyed your stay in the Savage Land. <laughs> You guys want to hear a really bad, a really good joke that I made that you might not even get, but it was probably the funniest joke I've made today so far. Sure. Yes. Um, so we were we we were cli- we went climbing and then we got back and Jenna was like, "I need to figure out a new way to climb." And I was like, "Well, why don't you put in headphones and play a song with like a solid BPM and climb to the BPM just to sort of work on getting a rhythm in your in your climbing?" And she's like, "That's a good idea." And then she's kind of just like sat there for a second. She's like. This is the rhythm of the climb. And I was like, no, I need to play. You, you, need, something, you, you need something a little slower. And she, we just kind of stopped for a second. And then I said, this is the rhythm of the climb. That's so dumb. <laughs> so dumb. It's so dumb. But also so it's funny. Really funny. <sighs> now I'm just going to forever sing, this is the rhythm of the climb. But you have to, do, so it, you know. you have to do it slower. This is the rhythm <laughs> of the Cap and I do that, but it's with the pizza song, the Olsen Twins pizza song. I don't know the Olsen Twins pizza song. (laughs) (laughs) We have to sing it really slow. Pizza. (laughs) P-I-Z-Z-A. What the fuck?
I haven't heard a good Olsen twins reference in a while. It was good. <laughs> I'm like crying right <clears throat> now. I'm probably bad. I'm probably gonna clip this and put it at the end of the show. <laughs> uh, okay. That's dumb. This <clears throat> is the rhythm of the show. <laughs> uh, all right, straight face. We're serious podcasters. We're we're we take we're we're professionals. Mm-hmm. Uh.